Right, said George. He began to think glimmeringly about his abnormal son, who was now in jail, about Harrison. But a 21-gun salute in his head stopped that. Boy, said Hazel, that was a doozy, wasn't it? It was such a doozy that George was white and trembling, and tears stood on the rims of his red eyes. Two of the ballerinas had collapsed to the studio floor, were holding their temples. All of a sudden, you look so tired, said Hazel. Why don't you stretch out on the sofa so you can rest your handicap bag on the pillows, honey bunch? She was referring to the 47 pounds of birdshot in a canvas bag, which was padlocked around George's neck. Go on and rest that bag for a little while, she said. I don't care if you're not equal to me for a while. Page three. George weighed the bag with his hands. I don't mind it, he said. I don't notice it anymore. It's just a part of me. You've been so tired lately, kind of wore out, said Hazel. If there was just some way we could make a little hole in the bottom of the bag and just take out a few of them lead balls, just a few. Two years in prison and $2,000 fine for every ball I took out, said George. I don't call that a bargain. If you could just take out a few when you came home from work, said Hazel, I mean, you don't compete with anybody around here. You just sit around. If I tried to get away with it, said George, then other people'd get away with it. And pretty soon we'd be right back to the dark ages again with everybody competing against everybody else. You wouldn't like that, would you? I'd hate it, said Hazel. There you are, said George. The minute people start cheating on laws, what do you think happens to society? If Hazel hadn't been able to come up with an answer to this question, George couldn't have supplied one. A siren was going off in his head. Reckon it all fall apart, said Hazel. What would, said George blankly. Society, said Hazel uncertainly. Wasn't that what you just said? Who knows, said George. The television program was suddenly interrupted for a news bulletin. It wasn't clear at first as to what the bulletin was about, since the announcer, like all announcers, had a serious speech impediment. For about half a minute, and in a state of high excitement, the announcer tried to say, ladies and gentlemen, he finally gave up, handed the bulletin to a ballerina to read. That's all right, Hazel said of the announcer. He tried. That's the big thing. He tried to do the best he could with what God gave him. He should get a nice raise for trying so hard. Ladies and gentlemen, said the ballerina, reading the bulletin. She must have been extraordinarily beautiful because the mask she wore was hideous. And it was easy to see that she was the strongest and most graceful of all the dancers, for her handicap bags were as big as those worn by 200-pound men. Page four. And she had to apologize at once for her voice, which was a very unfair voice for a woman to use. Her voice was a warm, luminous, timeless melody. Excuse me, she said, and she began again, making her voice absolutely 
uncompetitive. Harrison Bergeron, age 14, she said in a grackle squawk, has just escaped from jail where he was held on suspicion of plotting to overthrow the government. He is a genius and an athlete is under handicapped and should be regarded as extremely dangerous. A police photograph of Harrison Bergeron was flashed on the screen, upside down, then sideways, upside down again, then right side up. The picture showed the full length of Harrison against the background calibrated in feet and inches. He was exactly seven feet tall. The rest of Harrison's appearance was Halloween and hardware. Nobody had ever borne heavier handicaps. He had outgrown hindrances faster than the HG men could think them up. Instead of a little ear radio for a mental handicap, he wore a tremendous pair of earphones and spectacles with thicky, thick wavy lenses. The spectacles were intended to make him not only half blind, but to give him wanging headaches besides. Scrap metal was hung all over him. Ordinarily, there was a certain symmetry, a military neatness to the handicaps issued to strong people. But Harrison looked like a walking junkyard. In the race of life, Harrison carried 300 pounds. And to offset his good looks, the HG men required that he wear at all times a red rubber ball for a nose, keep his eyebrows shaved off and cover his even white teeth with black caps at snaggletooth random. If you see this boy, said the ballerina, do not, I repeat, do not try to reason with him. There was a shriek of a door being torn from its hinges. Screams and barking cries of consternation came from the television set. The photograph of Harrison Bergeron on the screen jumped again and again, as though dancing to the tune of an earthquake. George Bergeron correctly identified the earthquake, and well he might have. For many was the time his own home had danced to the same crashing tune. My God, said George, that must be Harrison. The realization was blasted from his mind instantly by the sound of an automobile collision in his head. When George could open his eyes again, the photograph of Harrison was gone. A living, breathing Harrison filled the screen. Clankish, clownish, and huge, Harrison stood in the center of the studio. The knob of the uprooted studio door was still in his hands. Ballerinas, technicians, musicians, and announcers cowered on their knees, on their knees before him expecting to die.